The following podcast contains explicit language. All right, my home office is shaping up. Yeah, everywhere I look, you have the most beautiful office supplies. <laughs> it's like you went to the beautiful office supply store. I have great taste in file folders. Hi, and welcome to Happier in Hollywood, the podcast about how to be happier, healthier, saner, more creative, more successful, and more productive in a backbiting, superficial, chaotic, unpredictable, fundamentally insane world. I'm Sarah Fain, a TV writer and producer living in L.A., and with me is my high school friend and writing partner of 19 years, Liz. That's me, Liz Craft. On this podcast, we talk about being writers in Hollywood, how we balance a career and friendship, and how to survive the war of attrition that is life in Los Angeles. This week, we're going to discuss something that's been on our minds a lot lately, saving money. We'll also answer a listener question about fertility and the challenges to face women who decide to wait to start a family because of their careers. And following up the conversation we had with mega entertainment lawyer Michael Donaldson, we've got a two-part Hollywood negotiating hack. Finally, we had a great celebrity sighting. Sort of. (laughs) Okay, we'll explain, but first, an update. After I went by myself to Best Friends Animal Society in Utah, we talked about the benefits of taking a solo trip. Yeah, and the subject came up on our in our Facebook group um, because Dory wrote saying, "Okay, I took some advice from Liz and Sarah, and I'm on a four day beach vacation by myself. I have books to read, thanks to you guys. Now it feels really weird to have no one to talk to or share experiences with. I am very shy and have no plan slash desire to meet people. I'm just wondering what should I be doing? Why is this such a good thing? I just kind of feel lost. Okay. Can I just say when I read this on our Facebook group, I felt sick. I was like, oh, my God. We shouldn't have suggested this. Yes. We have just, like, (laughs) led Dory horribly astray. Um, But people did write in with all sorts of suggestions about what she could do. Um, You know, she said she's shy, but Kara suggested striking up conversations with strangers because it's interesting to see how two completely different live paths can cross. And Melissa uh, wrote a comment. She said, I learned a great idea from a solo travel book that I read. When I was in Rome alone, I would end each day on the rooftop of my hotel writing a postcard to send home to myself. When I got home, I got to experience the entire trip again. I still do this when I travel. Cheap souvenir, nice end to the day, and a little joy when I return home. That's a great idea. Yeah, and then people were like, find a great coffee shop, just lay in bed and watch TV if you want, do whatever you want. Um, so people were chiming in, and then a few days later, we Much asked to our relief. Dory, we said, <laughs> so how was it? Because we figured she was home by then. And she said, it was actually pretty amazing. I got over my loneliness pretty quick after reading everyone's posts. I gave myself a pedicure and did a face mask. I watched the sunset three times over the ocean. I took a nature boat tour and got to see dolphins swimming and jumping in the boat's wake. I combed the beach and snorkeled for shells. I binge-watched all four seasons (laughs) of Schitt's Creek. I did a bunch of journaling and got to know myself better. What a good trip it was, this won't be my last. So we were like, phew. Oh, my God. So happy it, t- it worked out. So we can stand by our solo trip <laughs> yes, suggestions, Sarah. Exactly. <laughs> Dory, we're so glad you ended up having a great trip. <laughs> yes. 
Okay, Sarah, let's dive into From the Treadmill Desks of, in which we discuss what's most pressing in our psyches. And this week, it's saving money. Yes. We are trying to do this. Um, This is kind of an L.A. state of being because (laughs) so many jobs in Los Angeles are not steady over the years. It's you have a job for six months and you're unemployed for a month or two. Um, or you have a job for five years and then you're unemployed for a year. It's This goes for writers, actors, costume designers, prop masters, casting directors. I mean, everybody. almost everybody has this thing where you don't necessarily know where your next paycheck is coming all the time. Yeah, and I always think of it, especially with actors who may be on a successful series or, like, get a pilot and then feel like, oh, yay, it's going to go. Or, like, staff writers who get their first job and think, like, oh, now I have a career and, you know, kind of spend all that money. Um, It's really, it's it's a very shaky ground we're all on. And I think if you make a lot of money for a few years, you don't think, like, oh, this this could be. And when it ends, it, like, Yes, it is a very abrupt ending. There are very few actors in particular who get more than one successful show. Like, that is a short list. Yes. Um, And, you know, we worked with someone, Sarah Wright or Jeff Bell on Angel, and it's when we were just starting out, we were staff writers, and he was cautioning us about this whole situation. Very smartly. Um, And he said that his goal is to have... Two years worth of expenses, like, in the bank, cash ready. So, like, two years worth of mortgage, two years worth of childcare, food, everything. Um, now, obviously, that's a high goal. I mean, to get Huge. two years saved. Look, it's one thing if you're 23 <laughs> years old living in an apartment. It's harder if you have a house and a family, et cetera. <laughs> um, but it's something to aspire to. It is. Um, now, I will say you and I in our last situation did not reach this goal of having <laughs> two years. Um, I mean, I don't think I ever have. Not, I mean, no, ever. No, not, it's, no. I think it's an admirable yeah. goal. And yes, we should all do it. But I mean, yeah. not realistic for me. Yeah, It is a goal, though. It is a goal. It's a good goal. Uh, but anyway, someone, again, in our Facebook group mentioned they were trying to save money and were asking for tips. And we thought, well, this is a perfect time to discuss how to save money. Now, some of this is you know, it's going to be $5 here or there, but as we know, that adds up. It certainly does. Um, so let's share some ideas from our listeners. Okay. Kelly says, I shop using Rakuten to right. occasionally get some kickbacks. Those earnings go directly into my savings. I don't know what that is. Do you? It's. Um, I've seen it advertised on TV. It's like, I think an app that you use, um, it gives you money back when you buy things. So it's a good idea. It's a good idea. And what's funny is the whole ad is people trying to figure out how to pronounce it, going Rakuten, (laughs) Rakuten, Rakuten. So R-A-K-U-T-E-N is how it's spelled. Um, Kelly also said, I also frequently clutter clear and sell what I can using apps like OfferUp and LetGo. Oh, that's cool. And then she said, right now I'm sucking it up by working a part-time job I don't really care for. (laughs) <laughs> so it's like a side hustle, but not an enjoyable side yes. hustle. Towards an end, 
And then Fred said, here are some things that have worked for me. Examine your biggest expenses, rent, mortgage, debt, and other recurring costs. Examine small expenses, which can add up. Nourish your soul with the multitude of free activities, being outdoors, reading, writing, drawing, doodling, cooking, game nights, book clubs, exercise, free concerts, free days at your local museum, meditation, volunteer, and being with family and friends. So those are all things because they actually make your life better. Yes, and can be free. Yeah. It's a good combo. Um, And then Angie says, rightly, there are two options, make more (laughs) money or cut expenses. In the make more money category, you can look for a new job, negotiate a raise, start a side hustle, or sell your belongings. In the cut expenses, I find it easier to attack the fixed expenses, where you live, your car payment, your insurance, utilities, cable, cost of your commute, etc. Can you move? Yeah, you can save money if you obviously live somewhere cheaper or closer to work. Um, And then she points out that there are lots of ways to negotiate with insurance um, companies and cable companies to get a smaller number. Mm -hmm. What we all know, right, we've all had the experience of calling and saying, I'm switching phone companies, and suddenly they cut your bill in half. Totally. Then one thing I love is she said, love the suggestion someone had for automated deposit to savings, automated bill payment, and then pay cash for everything else. A 30-day no-spend with a strict budget for groceries really opened my eyes to how much I was spending here and there without thinking about it. Yeah, so much of it is mindless spending. I mean, we can all just spend 5 here, 20 here, 30 here, and not even realize it. Yeah, a 30-day no-spend is a great idea. Yeah. Um, And it's interesting because she was talking about car payments. You— Buy a car. I lease my car because there are all these business reasons. Um, But you buy a car and you pay cash for it so you don't have any payments moving forward, which is nice, except insurance. Yes. And then I, um, like... I ever, you know, as the years go by, I'm like, okay, now I've spent this much a year on the car, this much a year on the car. So my last one, I kept 10 years. Yeah. Um, So it ended up being a pretty good deal. Now, the problem is as time goes on, you have to put more into it. Yes. So then that becomes its own balancing thing. Whereas if you lease, you don't put anything into it. Right. And this year when it was when I was like, our show's not doing very well. I don't think our show's going to get a second season. It was right around the time when my mm, lease was up. Yeah. And I stayed with the car that I have. I just got a new one of the exact same car instead of getting a different car because I've had the same car uh, for like 12 years. So I have all these discounts. Right. It's like I get yes. like the kind of loyalty yes. um, rate. Yes. So my car ended up being much cheaper than if I had changed cars. Yes. So that's something to think about. Yeah. Um, Jennifer says that she loves the podcast Her Money with Jean Chatsky. She says it's geared toward women's money fears and issues. So that's a good thing to listen yes. to. Angie had a smart idea. She said, for optional spending, I'd buy a gift card. I had a gift card to Starbucks, my favorite takeout place and my favorite lunch place. I'd buy a gift card at the start of the month for what was budgeted. When it was gone, no more until next month. Oh, that's a good idea. I know. It's clever. One thing I've been doing, Sarah, since we've been trying to save money is to shop my closet. So Mm -hmm. because we have so many meetings, 
Um, and, you know, sometimes they're at the same place, so we can't <laughs> just wear the same outfit. Huh. Um, so I've been trying to go through my closet, find things I don't normally wear, and sort of put outfits together so that I have options without going shopping. Um, now, I will admit I bought two blazers because right now I'm really into blazers. Um, but I scoured and scoured, and I got two blazers for 70% off each. Which is pretty darn good. Yeah. So I feel like if you're down to 70% off, that is a good sale. But now I'm like 50% doesn't cut it. Not enough. It's got to be 70%. Well, then there's like, it's really satisfying. Yes. That's awesome. Yes. Um, I've been doing this since January. Uh, shopping my closet, and it's actually been kind of amazing. Like yeah, I've worn show a couple up things, things and yeah. I'll say, "Oh, I love your new shirt." And you're like, "No, I've had this for three years. Yeah. I've just never worn it." <laughs> exactly. So shopping your closet once you have to get rid of all the stuff that's kind of keeping yes. you from seeing all the great stuff, um, and then shop your closet. I will say, I am going to get clothes for our um, network pitches. Ah, uh, yes. You know, yeah. like it's a just a couple things. Thing. Yeah. To to like walk into a network pitch with something new. But that's like a couple month or two away. So I'm not going to worry overly much about it. Um, And it's worth just repeating this again because several people kept mentioning it. That if you want to save money, really look at those recurring monthly expenses because whatever you cut, it's times 12. Um, And if you call the companies... Or even a credit card company, if you say, well, I'm going to move all my debt to another card, they might cut your interest yeah. rate. I mean, there are ways to save if you just take 15 minutes mm-hmm. and um, make a nuisance of yourself, basically. <laughs> um, but anyway, thank you to everyone for these great ideas. Um, it feels good to spend less and save more. It really does. It's very satisfying. Let's remind each other. Let's remind each other when we have like our next job where we're just cruising along to do this yeah. because we should be doing it regardless. Absolutely. Um, anyway, how do you save money? We want your ideas. Send us an email or a voice memo. We love to hear your voices to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Coming up, we talk about a subject that's personal to both of us, fertility. Liz, there is nothing I love more than having a delicious meal that I didn't have to cook, which is why I have been getting no prep, no mess meals from Factor. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factor's fresh, never-frozen meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. Last night, I had blackened salmon with broccoli and with cauliflower rice. It was so delicious. It was the perfect dinner. Head to factormeals.com slash HIH50 and use code HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code HIH50 at factormeals.com slash HIH50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Okay, Liz, now it's time for the mailroom where we answer a listener question. This week we got a question from Susan about fertility and the dilemma of whether or not to have a second child. Yes, it's a good question. Let's listen. 
Hi, Liz and Sarah. My name is Susan. Um, first, thank you for your podcast and your willingness to talk about your own journeys and struggles with fertility. It's a topic that is frequently ignored on career-centric podcasts as if the two are unrelated, which obviously couldn't be further from the truth. And I'm especially grateful for your willingness to talk about your difficulties surrounding whether or not to pursue um fertility treatments to have a second child. I have one great kid and have had recurrent pregnancy losses in trying to have a second child. And suffice it to say, it is a big happiness stumbling block. So here's my question. Um, how did you make peace with having one child? And looking back, what would you tell yourself when you were in the thick of deciding how hard to try to have a second child, what to do to pursue that and when to let that go. I would love to hear the two of you di discuss that because I'm sure I'm not the only listener who waited until a little later in life to have children to focus on her career in her 20s and is now facing some of those difficult questions. Thank you so much. Yeah, Sarah, you and I have discussed this a lot between the yeah. two of us and on the podcast. Um, and with a multitude of friends yes, and neighbors yes, and, and professionals. And, yeah. <laughs> um, well, there's a lot of parts to this question. Uh -huh. um, first of all, I think we should just say our blanket thing, which is we think everyone who has the means should freeze their eggs. <laughs> um, we tell people this because if when we were younger— Freezing eggs wasn't that viable. Right. Um, the technology changed really rapidly to where now, just a few years later, you can really successfully freeze eggs as opposed to just embryos. It mm -hmm. used to be you could really only freeze embryos. I wish I had frozen embryos early um, since eggs weren't really a thing then. Um, so that's what I wish I had done. Right. In your 20s or early 30s. Well, or just as soon as Adam and I got married, I wish I'd frozen embryos. I'm talking about egg freezing. In oh, your egg 20s, freezing. Yeah, yes. in your 20s or early 30s. Yes. If you have the means, freeze your eggs. Yes, because then you just have options. Yeah. Because um, it's really, I don't know if everyone gets this, the real problem with fertility is the egg quality. Yeah. And that's why, you know, when I think a lot of people believe oh, if I have the money, I'm going to be able to get pregnant because all it is is if I have enough fertility treatments, I can get pregnant. That's not necessarily true. Um, I did all kinds of fertility treatments for like two years, and I never got pregnant at all. Um, and it's because my eggs were just not there, even though yeah. they had been very— like. A year before, I'd had great eggs. Right. And this was in your early to mid-40s, right? No. Th well, this was like 40. 40. Okay. Yes. 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 Because I think people think, well, I have to like I'm like 45. Yeah, and the no, fact is, there are, yes, everyone will have anecdotal stories yes. of people who got pregnant at 45 and 52 and whatever. That is a very, 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 <laughs> I could add like 500 more yes. varies small group of people. Yes. The majority of people have rapidly declining fertility, late 30s, early 40s, and cannot get pregnant. And that, here's what I'll say. If you are willing to use an egg donor, you can get pregnant. But, you know, I wish—I don't know if I wish I had or hadn't done that. Um, 
like, by the time I even really considered using an egg donor, I had been doing this for two years, and I was just over it. I just (laughs) didn't want to use an egg donor. Um, And there's also a point at which it feels just like the thought of having an infant again feels just like batshit crazy. Well, yeah, you reach the point (laughs) where it seems like, okay, forget it. And so that comes to her question of sort of how did we both come to terms with having one child? Right. Well, she said make peace, which I think is interesting because I don't think— for either of us, we ever – I don't think even now that we've sort of made peace with it. I think it just is yeah. what it is. Yeah. I still will wake up in the middle of the night with a pang, <laughs> feeling, like, horrible that Jack isn't going to have a brother or sister. Because my sister is, like, so close to me. I can't imagine not having that relationship. You're an only child. Yeah. But that has a lot of – I mean, you have a lot of responsibility as an only child. I do. I mean, I I very much see the pros – of being an only child along with the cons. Um, (coughs) But my situation also with Violet is a little bit different because she has 150, not literally, but she has a shit ton of donor siblings. So she has donor siblings. Some of them I think she will think of as siblings. Some of them she will think of as friends. Some of them, there's so many and they're so geographically diverse. (laughs) Yeah, she, she won't know at all. But like... I feel like that relationship is open to her. I yes. do still sometimes think like, well, I, it would be nice to adopt. I Like, it would be fun to have another kid. Violet was so uh, all hands on deck for so many years yeah. that I was like, I couldn't possibly handle another kid. Now that she's getting older and easier, I still to this day think, well, that would be nice maybe to like adopt an older child. But the fact is... I probably won't. These are all sort of fanciful things. Those are all the same thought processes Adam and I have as well. Which goes Um, to, you don't make peace, you just kind of move on. (laughs) Yeah. Now, one thing that helped me is, um, at one point I was going through this, I was talking to my mom about, oh, like, am I doing another treatment and this and that? And she said, um, you shouldn't think of your family as less than because you only have one child. Your family is exactly like what it should be. It's not like you have to have two kids. It's yeah. fine to have one. And because, you know, I, my mom's opinion means so much to me, that kind of freed me. Uh-huh. So I would just offer that to Susan to say, Susan, it is okay to have one. You are still a complete family. And one thing that helped me was realizing once you have one child, you have all the experiences of parenthood. Right. I mean, the difference between zero and one is a vast chasm, right? Because if you don't have any, then you'd never have all those experiences. But once you've had one, you get all the parent experiences. Um, So that helped me too. Yeah. Um, But, you know, there's no way we can tell Susan whether she should have one or two or three. Or how to kind of come to terms with it because it just happens. It's it's just one of those things that, that happens over time. And I will say I don't regret the time that I spent focusing on our career. Mm. I do wish that I had started to get into the whole baby having thing earlier. Like, as a single person, I wish that I had just said, okay, I want to do this, like, two or three years earlier. Not a ton earlier, just a little earlier. Because it takes time. Yeah, but I don't regret 
the focus that we spent on our career. Like, I love our career. Yeah. I'm proud of all the things that we've done. Uh, I wouldn't, like, kind of trade that. And so, something you know. I'll say that is nice about having one, being a two-parent household, is that, like, we just move as a unit. Yeah. You know, like, we can both go to a birthday party. We can both go to this. We can both go to that. We're not constantly, like, splitting up and driving all over town and then figuring out the schedule. It's there's a We're a very tight three-person unit. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I enjoy that. Yeah, maybe Susan should spend some time thinking about all the things that are a drag about having two. Yes. By the way, we only need one hotel room. (laughs) That's right. The logistics of multiple children, to me, seem like a massive pain in the butt. That's true. Now that I'm used to having one, I think, oh, my God, if I had to do two birthday parties a year, I would, you know, I can't even get one done some of the time. Exactly. No, it's true. Violet gets all my attention. She gets all of my focus. That's a good thing. So, you know... Good luck. It's a dilemma. <laughs> Freeze your eggs is all I can say. Right, exactly. And now it is time for this week's Hollywood Hack. In episode 107, we talked to entertainment lawyer Michael Donaldson about his wish-want-walk method of negotiating, mm-hmm. um, which was super informative. Um, and then, Sarah, following that, I went to Michael's three-hour seminar about the the method at the WGA. Yes. Um, and I learned a couple of additional things um, that I took notes on that I thought were worth sharing with our listeners. Excellent. Okay. I am dying to hear this also because I had pneumonia at the yes, time. Yes, you weren't so- able to go. <laughs> <laughs> so do tell. Okay. Well, this was really interesting to me. You should make the first offer. Uh-huh. He he said he said show of hands. Who do you think should make the first offer? You or the other person? I raised my hand for the other person. Yeah. I was under the impression you want them to make the offer because then they're sort of showing their hand. Um, but no, you should make the first offer. Okay, beca- explain because that is very counterintuitive. Yes, you should make the first offer because then you're sort of setting the terms. Mm-hmm. So if they may come in with a really lowball offer. Suddenly, your counter seems insane. Right. You know, whereas yeah. if you come in with an offer, you're saying this is what I think is, you know, makes sense. Uh-huh. Then for them to come back, same thing with an insanely lowball offer would seem crazy. Oh. Um, now, what's important about this is that you do your research. Because what you don't want to do is undersell yourself uh-huh. and come in with a low offer, which is why I thought you'd want to wait for the other person. Yeah. But no, in fact, what you should do is know how much you're worth. And this is where the wish-want-walk method comes in. You've got to know what, you know, you start yeah. with your wish, obviously. Um, $700 million. Yes, exactly. Um, so you should make the first offer. Um, So that was very interesting to me. Well, and this is just uh, a little um, not-so-fun fact for people who (laughs) don't work in Hollywood. First offers almost always come in insultingly low. Oh, yes. To the point where you just want to walk away, which we have done. Where you just get personally offended and you're like, fuck all y'all. So one thing is like we have to, just as writers, we all have to be like, okay, this is a strategy. They employ this, blah, blah, blah. It's not personal. Um, But come in with your own offer and you don't, maybe, you don't get that crazy insulting offer. Yes. Um, and then the second thing, which was interesting to me, which it doesn't so much apply to us, um, but it's 
try to do the negotiating in their space. Mm. So now when we're negotiating, usually it's a lawyer negotiating on our behalf, or if for whatever reason we're negotiating, it would be like emails and phone calls. We wouldn't get together. But there are many times in life where you are negotiating in person. Um, And so he pointed out, if I would think power move, make them come to me. Yeah. Wrong. Go to them because then you can learn about them from their space. So, like, if they have incredibly expensive surroundings and furniture and, like, a decorated office, you know, these people have a lot of money. Mm -hmm. If they're um, lots of pictures of their kids, maybe you can appeal to them as, like, a family person, you know. So you can get clues about them from their space that can help you negotiate. And you don't want them in your space because you don't want them to have all that info about you. Exactly. So um, so that's just a couple of more things from the wish, want, walk method of negotiating. Um, and we do recommend Michael's book um, to anyone who is wanting to learn more about negotiating because I so believe in what he says. Um, and the more you know, the better you're going to be in negotiating. Um, And just a reminder again, it was episode 107 when we talked to Michael. For more on Wish Want Walk, you can listen to that episode. Yes. Coming up, we talk about our amazing, almost, celebrity (laughs) sighting. Well, it was amazing. It it was amazing, and then, but it could have been more amazing. Yes. (laughs) How's that for enticing? But first, this break. Okay, Sarah, it is time for a celebrity sighting, and we had a really great one this week. We did. We could have had an even better one. Oh, my God. So we were at Netflix. We were having a meeting there. Netflix is a hub of celebrity sightings. We've never been there and not seen someone fabulous. So we were sitting in the lobby, and I looked over, and I'm—or you nudged me. I can't remember. But we realized Gary Oldman was sitting, like— at the next couch. Like right there, diagonal yes, to us. very close. So close enough um, that we could hear his conversation. And that was really interesting. It was so cool. Because he was talking about, he was wearing like a really nice <laughs> sort of charcoal gray hip looking like suit. Like very nice suit. And a t-shirt under it. And, and he, it said something. I couldn't yes, see I what couldn't, it said. I couldn't either. But anyway, he was with a group of people that were going probably to pitch something. And he was asking them, am I wearing the right thing? Does this look okay? Which we just found hilarious because we spend so much time worrying about what we wear (laughs) to these meetings and pitches. It was just very reassuring to know Gary Oldman is also worrying about that. I know. It was incredibly endearing. I feel like I'm just going to, like, love him forever now. Completely. (laughs) Um, so that was great. Yeah. Then um, the woman we were meeting with came and retrieved us to take us upstairs to our meeting. And we're walking through, and she goes, wow, that was a great sighting. And we're like, oh, we're like, I know. Yeah, it yeah, was. it was. Yeah, good mm. one, good one. And then she was like, I mean, I huge, right? Just huge. And you and I were like, thinking, huh. well, I mean, it's great it to is. see Gary Ullman, I, you know. Um, <laughs> and then she's like, I mean, Brad Pitt. <laughs> God, we miss Brad Pitt, Liz. Brad Pitt was right behind us. She's like, we're like, Brad Pitt, we're talking about Gary Oldman. (laughs) She was like, no, the guy in the hat. Didn't you see the guy in the hat? We're like, no, we didn't see the guy in the hat. We were busy looking at Gary Oldman, and she was like, no, Brad Pitt is right by you. And I think he was like 12 inches from you. I mean, I think he was like right behind you. It is tragic, Sarah. (laughs) 
Especially tragic <laughs> because, you know, we feel a special connection to Brad Pitt because he is from Missouri. He's a Missouri he, guy. He's from Springfield, Missouri. Yeah. So I'm just so like. So clearly we should be best friends. I know. What the hell? <laughs> and if only he had seen us in the we lobby at Netflix, yes. we would have just connected on um, a deep Missouri level. <laughs> so I don't know. It doesn't count if neither, neither of us saw No. Like um, not even no awareness whatsoever of him. Yeah. So um, next time we're there, I'm going to be like extra <laughs> Just like, you yeah. know, antenna <laughs> up, scanning every single face. Because um, tragic. And we'll just go sit in the lobby at Netflix. There you go. But we did see Gary Oldman. I mean, yes, and he's amazing. pretty damn good. Yeah. So there you go. <laughs> And that's it for this episode of Happier in Hollywood. For questions or comments, email us or send us a voice memo to happierinhollywood at gmail.com. Thanks for listening and please subscribe if you haven't already. Thank you to our executive producer, the amazing Chuck Reed, and everyone at Sancola Sound. You can follow them on Instagram at Sancola Sound. Thank you to everyone at Cadence 13. And as always, thank you to Gretchen Rubin. Happier in Hollywood is part of the Onward Project. Check out the other Onward Project podcasts, Happier with Gretchen Rubin, Side Hustle School, and the new podcast from Whole30's Melissa Urban, Do the Thing. Get in touch. I'm on Instagram, at Fane, and Liz is at Liz Craft. We also have a Facebook group. Search for Happier in Hollywood on Facebook to join in on the conversation. Until next week, I'm Liz Craft. And I'm Sarah Fane. Thanks for joining us. It's a fun job. And we enjoy it. So here's my new clothes question for our pitches. Are we getting different outfits for each pitch or one outfit that we wear for all network pitches? I'm leaning toward one for all. Okay. That's, That's my current plan. Okay. We'll see. (laughs) From the Onward Project.